When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. For all the latest cricket betting markets, in-play odds and promotions, visit WilliamHill.com or download the free app 18 plus please gamble responsibly william hill it's who you play with hello uh, welcome to middle please umpire my name is miles Jutman. i'm joined as ever by 95 mile an hour ashes winning world cup winning fast bowler mark wood hello mark hello miles how are you i'm feeling i'm feeling well you're uh, but how i am is is immaterial i think to the um to the sort of the national picture you're back you were on my television playing cricket that's right all, all seemed right with the world yeah apart from the shortened leg side boundary of course <laughs> um otherwise that was good but you looked and i know it didn't go the way anyone would have anyone English would have dreamt of but you you looked well in the midst of it I mean you were running in fast you were bowling quick yeah I enjoyed it um I was nervous before but I think that's obviously normal and you know I was just desperate to do well obviously the, the lads had done really well in the previous game so I just wanted to make sure that I was you know up to speed the only thing I was probably disappointed with was the, the lack of um dot balls I said that in the media after just because like if you if you Usually, as a high-paced bowler, of course you can go for runs because the ball flies off. Yeah. But if you can get like a couple of wickets or a couple of dot balls, then that just makes it so much better. Um, but because Van der Dusen and Mark Rob sort of rotated the strike, it meant that every time they did hit a four or six, it was cost us like 10, 11, 12 runs. So I was a little bit disappointed at the end. I mean, I've watched the bat. And- yeah, I mean, some some of that is just maths, Mark. I mean, that is that is the way <laughs> batted. But essentially, two, if two if there had been two dot balls, if if they'd missed two balls that went for four and six, that it would have been a tie. And of course, that's a, a situation that England react well to being. Well, I didn't. I didn't get a glowing reference off our captain Owen Morgan when I kicked the ball past what way to keep it. That didn't. Uh, that didn't go down well when I walked back. Me, Martin. Uh, he just said you could have picked that up, boss. It wasn't like a, co- a conversation where he's like. What do you what do you think the next ball? Are you thinking slow ball, Yorker, bouncer? What do you think? You just went. You could have picked that up, boss. I was like, oh, sorry. That, is, that sounds to me like a polite way of somebody muttering prick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey ho, that that I feel though. You can if you want to reassure yourself that that wasn't the moment that cost us the game, was it? That was just slightly regrettable. But presumably, you shouted the name of a, a footballer whilst doing it, which kind of makes it all right. Who did you, who did you shout? Make it all right. I, the word very. Uh... I don't think the team were very, very happy. I mean, a couple of them laughed, but Josh Butler wasn't laughing because it went past him, and Owen Morgan wasn't laughing when I went back my mark. So I've, uh, I might have to cut that out for the semi-final unless it's a genuine run-out. Well, at least you weren't rude enough as to strain your calf. I mean, that's the sort of. <laughs> How well did he hop to the other end? 
I think yeah. that goes under the radar. Extraordinary. If he's not in the in if the Olympics Olympic event of hop hop scotch comes out next time, he's got to be in the running for that. Running the hopping for that. Or they divided the triple jump, the hop, skip, and a jump into a sort of relay event where there was a changeover <laughs> of batons after each bit. Somebody did the hop, then somebody else, you pass the baton, someone else skips, and then someone has to do quite difficult, obviously, an enormously long yeah. jump from a standing position. That's the sort of thing you could do. Did you see my whole spell? Did you watch Did you watch me ball? I did, yes, I did. Nate, did you see Margram shot over a point? I've watched that bar, and I think, uh, even now, I think, how did he manage to get it over there? It was extraordinary. And then he pulled it off the wicket leg side. It was the kind of abandon with which the, the frankly unfortunate situation in which they found themselves meant that they could play with a kind of abandon that nobody else would necessarily have the confidence to. It was a real, well, here we go. You know, they had to win by such a ludicrous margin, which I imagine for you guys as well made it almost slightly difficult you know, knowing that you can afford to lose by quite a considerable margin. They didn't, they didn't tell them it. Morgie didn't want the stats guy to tell us. So we just he just wanted us to win the game. So um, it wasn't until we got to the second innings that this, the analyst was sort of like letting it slip what, uh, how many we needed and stuff like that to, to top the group. Oh, right. But I mean, everybody has access to that information, don't they? Apart from the people playing in the game? No, because they, they, take, uh, they take your phone off you when you go to the ground for anti-corruption reasons so we 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 wouldn't know what it was um, there was nothing on the big screen or anything so oh, okay. unless the lads knew beforehand but they didn't know because the Australia West Indies game was was going on at the time well it's good if you can focus I suppose that's 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 quite sensible and also it's good if people aren't aren't corrupt as well so it's yeah <laughs> On balance, I think that sort of thing's all right. But did you feel well after it? That's the main thing. I know it's annoying to lose. I know it's annoying to be spanked. Yeah, I was a bit. I was a bit disappointed, Miles. To, to be honest, I was a bit flat. But yeah, I, it, the mood in the camp wasn't. I mean, we've lost before, and the mood's been like really downbeat. But it wasn't. It wasn't like that. It was actually quite positive. We thought we did a lot of things well. Um, the only thing that we, uh, the chat was at the end was that we really felt we let the side down in the field. We didn't back up well enough and. Will cost too many runs. Um, some idiot kicked the ball, as I mentioned. Yeah. Um, so a moment of great national shame. <laughs> as a bowling group, you know, we're, we're used to probably taking more than two wickets, and I think that was something that was like noticeable when someone gets a batting partnership against you. I mean, it is difficult. I mean, I, when I first came on, the two lads were sort of set, and Van der Dusen played a great shot where he flicked it over the wicketkeeper, and and then the one he hit me for six. I didn't even look where it went. I just knew that he'd got it. So sometimes you have to say well played to the other guys, don't you? But that was the short boundary, wasn't it, that one? Uh, should we say yes for the for the purposes of making me feel better? Or should we say no for the actual truth of it was the long boundary? Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. I, don't, I was just trying to make you feel better. Um, <laughs> uh, now, of course, by the time that people listen to this podcast, um, if, do people still listen to podcasts? They seem a bit bit 90s to me but by the time people listen to this we'll you'll we'll know the result i guess um oh thank you very much um thank you oh and we're sponsored by mm. Harrogate spring hydration brick oh that's loose leaf that is you can tell lovely um hang on oh my bloody headphones. and the players will take drinks for a session <laughs> sorry sorry i'm it's just it's just a system we have here um people will know the result of the the semi-final is that the next game? Did you call for the drink? Have you have you called for a change of gloves as well? Yeah, and I've got a, a special so, a signal for a, a drink. What is it? I um I I mime as if I'm drinking. <laughs> um, so you're going to say I make the noise? <laughs> <laughs> 
I, uh, I do a big theatrical uh, sigh and then I go, oh, I'm gasping. And um, then somebody brings me. The... I love that Dagnall story about the, uh, the handkerchief. Young man in the pocket of my blazer. It could have been a story from the 1930s. We had that at, we had that at Durham, you know. Mitchell Clayton used to, his party trick when he first came to Durham, like any young lad, the academy lad that used to come to the team when he was on the field, he used to tell them to go and get a sky hook. So you'd be like running around the dressing room looking for a sky hook. Of course, it doesn't mean anything. And um, you'd go back in the field and say, look, I can't find it. Say, oh, it's just, it's below my bag. So you'd be looking under the bag. Oh, no, sorry, it must be next to my clothes. And in the end, you would just take something completely random. And then he says, and then he would let it slip that it was actually nothing at all. <laughs> How far, I mean, can one go in that situation? The 12th man, someone makes a request. Presumably, sometimes it's cricket related. Someone would be like, I think I've actually left my car unlocked. Can you go and, you know, can you go and find my keys and lock my car? Could someone say... Uh, my points run out at Safeway today. Can you quickly just just go? I just <laughs> just spend thirty quid. It could be on anything. <laughs> so let's move on to the subject of um, the game against New Zealand. People listening, yes. they'll know the results. Uh, how are you feeling about it now? You last met them in the warm-up game. Took a load of wickets. I'm I'm excited actually. I think they're a really good side actually. Um, I think both on and off the field they carry themselves really well. If you look down that side. They seem to have like a a good balance to it. Like you've got ball to left arm takes wickets. Saldi, who's got phenomenal amount of is showed the uh, leg spinner. Kim Williamson, obviously reliable. Couple gives it the smack at the top. Conway, who's done really well. So, I mean, I'm and I'm missing all the good players there, but they've got a good balance to that side where you think, you know, if they put it together, they'll be really hard to beat. You never seem to have an easy game against New Zealand. So, or what we've done well in the tournament is try to focus majority of the stuff that we do well with a little bit of focus on opposition side as well. Yeah, OK. Well, very best of luck with it. Uh, I hope it goes well. Of course, last time uh, you met was 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 memorable. Will you be coming in the crowd as our 12th man again? Yeah, I think so. Only if, if you have to come out... Wearing your World Cup winner's medal. Wearing my World Cup winner's medal. And if you have to come out and you're at the non-striker's end and you're definitely not facing a ball, I would be really upset if you weren't wearing the most amount of protective equipment that anyone has ever worn on a cricket field. <laughs> Um, that's like a medieval you, knight. You could have been one of the people whose job it is to retrieve like the balls from a golf driving range uh, with that amount of <laughs> equipment on. That is so true. So, uh, best of luck with that game. Um, good luck to the rest of the team, particularly those who have so far gone to the effort of appearing as guests on Middle Please Umpire. Um, well, who do you think? Who do you think is going to open the bat then, Miles? Who do you think we're going to go with? Well, of course, everyone will know now. But I want to see if you've got the old crystal ball. I would have thought Johnny Burstow. Uh, and Josh Butler. So who would, who then slides in the middle? Uh, James Vince, I would have thought. Oh, you Clayton Vince. I have a friend who's a big Hampshire fan, and I knew something. It, he, if anything happens with James Vince, he gets very excited and gets straight on the text. So the minute, the minute that Roy pulled up, he sent me a text that just said James Vince Claxon. So he was very excited. But they're both. I mean, you know, the depth in the England squad at the moment, considering how many people are injured. Considering how many brilliant people still can't get in the squad, it is into the into the team. It is remarkable. Um, so best of luck with that, and best of luck particularly to people that have been on our podcast. Let's look at the mailbag. Um, oh, and we're opening straight away. How exciting. Uh, cricketers at Petrol Station. This is from a man. Now, this is a slightly... I don't know if this is a real name. He says he's called Martin Jubb. That sounds like the sort of name I might give myself, you know, in a hotel when you, they always want, like, your email or something. And you're like, you know, because you're just... Like, village hotels who... Oh, God, if they send Joe Root as many emails as they send me, I'm amazed he has anything to do with them. But they are uh, just relentless 
uh, anyway, maybe he's real. Do you think Martin Jobs real? Yes. Okay, right. It remains to be seen. Um, in the mid-80s, my mum worked with a woman who owned a static caravan at Blackpool. I would be 11 or 12 and Lancashire were playing at their outground in the town and we went to watch. Mum and I for the weekday and Dad came down on the Friday night for the weekend. We were walking past a petrol station when a man got out of his car to fill up. Someone who any cricket watcher from John O'Groats to Perth would have instantly recognised. It was Richie Richardson. He was the pro for Blackpool that summer and was out and about in town. Having filled up his car, a Ford Escort, if I remember, he talked cricket to an 11-year-old me for about five minutes before going on his way. The passage of the last 35 years hasn't diminished the moment one iota. Lovely man, great player. Top draw, that. That is an absolutely beautiful story. What a nice thing to hear. What a nice thing to hear about someone. The great Richie Richardson. I hope, I hope, I hope that even wandering around sort of Blackpool in the evening, he would still be wearing that sort of beautiful flat-brimmed cricket hat that I associate him with. Uh, but that is, it's always nice, isn't it, to hear people, that people are, sort of have the time for people and are, and are charming. Thank you very much, Martin Job. if that is your real name. And I'm, you know, I'm beginning to think that it is. Uh, this next one is from Andrew Monk. Dear Miles and Woody, bit of reverse swing on the petrol station cricketer spotting. I used to host a Nat West Awards event for Surrey. One year, Mark Butcher was our special guest. When he arrived, we were introduced and he said, Hello again, we met on the service station on the A3. This was strange, as I'd used the train. However, not wishing to contradict an England cricketer, I nodded and ended up having a bizarre conversation about an unleaded fuel prior... <laughs> I ended up having a bizarre conversation about unleaded fuel prior to the ceremony starting. Well, someone out there is a man that Mark Butcher once met at a service station on the A3, and I find it hard to believe that he wouldn't remember. If that, if that mystery man is you, mystery man at the service station on the A3, uh, I'm sure Mark's written a song already about however fleeting this, I don't know, meeting or perhaps relationship was. Uh, do get in touch with the show, and possibly Mark, who... who I imagine is missing you. Um, that's, very, that's very nice, that sort of thing, though, when you just think, I, I'm, I'm, you know... He's wrong, but how can I possibly say? Like I find it a lot. People yeah. often call me Giles, and I never correct them because I think it doesn't really matter. But then sometimes six months down, Giles Mop, Giles Giles Mop, and then sometimes six months down the line, somebody else calls me by my real name, and they and then they're like excruciatingly embarrassed, which I suppose is it's sort of my fault. But I just at the time I think well, it doesn't matter, does it? I think you live for that moment where they realise that it's Miles and not Giles. You'd say. The hope drained from their eyes. And I turned to the person who's been getting it wrong and saying, you see, she listens. She listens. Do you listen? I don't think you do listen, do you? Um, there we are. Um, so thank you very much indeed, Andrew Monk. As we say, please get in touch if you did actually once meet Mark Butcher at a service station on the A3. This is from Chris Morgan. Miles and Woody, loving the podcast. Uh, thank you very much indeed. I'm sure Woody will... Well, here we go. We can test this last theory. I'm sure Woody will remember playing against me for Pontland under-18s for Ashington when I hit him for a beautifully executed pull shot for four. I regularly tell my friends, family and anyone who will listen that I once hit Mark Wood for four, neglecting to miss out the bit that he was only 13 at the time and I was just about to do my A-levels. <laughs> Uh, do you have any recollection of being pulled for four, Mark? Yeah, I remember. Lovely. Got on his toes, swivelled, hit it behind square, um, went scooting along the road, and I was devastated walking back my mark. Remember it well. Oh, OK. Because <laughs> you had a deep impact on him. Um, a reg uh, on the subject of spotting cricketers filling up at petrol stations, I've never seen that, but I thought it worth showing that I did once see legendary Australian batsman David Boone stand... <laughs> I don't know why I find this funny. I think it's because I'm trying to picture David Boone's facial expression. 
On the subject of spotting cricketers filling up a petrol station, I've never seen that, but I thought it worth sharing that I did once see legendary Australian batsman David Boone standing in the women's makeup department at Phoenix in Newcastle. <laughs> 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 like me as a young 12 year old at the time I think Booney had been dragged out shopping by the ladies in his life in his case his wife and daughter in my case my mum and sister if only I'd been a few years older we could have nipped around the corner to the three bulls head for a pint um, yes that would be an extraordinary sight when you spot someone in a place that you just are not expecting them so for instance I once saw Mike Brearley in a shopping centre I think they've pulled it down now it's probably flats like everything else uh, the St James's shopping mall in, um, in Edinburgh and I spotted Mike Brearley there this would be about 21 years ago, and I um, and I went up to him and asked for his autograph, and he went, "How on earth do you recognise me?" And obviously, I said, "Well, it's because you're you're Mike Brearley." But the but that thing when someone's not where you expect them to be, there's a little bit where, like the time I once saw David Soul when I was concussed. What did he say? In two jails. He wrote two jails. <laughs> Yes, West Bishes, Wark Mud. Um, <laughs> no, he was he was he was very nice. Um, I met David Boone outside a hotel. Have I told you this? Or I met him outside a hotel in London, and uh, I tried. I did try to engage him in the subject of cricket, but I think that he thought I was demented. Maybe David Boone was in Phoenix for himself. He was after one of them combs for his big, thick moustache. That's right. Do they sell them in Phoenix? It's only the best seller. How do you not know that? Well, because, of course, the problem with Phoenix often, sometimes it's at the opposite end of a shopping centre from uh, the John Lewis, where, of course, if you you know, you know go and see how much it costs at John Lewis, then you go and see how much it is at Phoenix. Or not in Newcastle. The opposite, they stare each other like like rivals across the across the way there. Well, that's what happens. Is, so if it's cheaper in Phoenix, you go back to John Lewis and you say, well, you know that Phoenix, have, you know, Phoenix are selling these moustache combs for, like, 47p, and they're like, well, you can have it for 46. Wow. Uh, I'm afraid it's a system that's open to abuse. But then they ring up, then they? they go, hello, my name's Clive, and I'd like to buy a moustache comb. How much are they currently retailing for? So they check, actually. It's not It's not a system that's open to abuse, Mark. <laughs> Glad to hear that some systems in life are still watertight. I didn't realise you were sort of the date on your moustache combs. I, I just think it's worth, you know, I read the papers every day. Uh, not much gets past me. <laughs> I love the opening to this letter. This is from Charlie Hamilton. <laughs> um, dear Mars and Mark, big fan of the show, etc. Uh, <laughs> I think that's very funny. Uh, how are you, etc., etc. Nice to see you. How long has it been? What you've been up to? Blah, blah. I wonder if the following might be worthy of your mailbag section. Well, guess what, Charlie Hamilton? You have finally managed to jump through all the hoops and uh, and you've made it. Um, about a decade ago, during an ineffectual period of teaching at a prestigious prep school in the southwest, no names, I was tasked with umpiring an under-12 match. After a tedious first innings, players and umpires returned to the pavilion for tea, where I contrived to lose all six of the pebbles in my white coat. I have no idea how. Returning to the field a while later and realising I was almost certainly incapable of remembering a six-ball over, I set about the outfield looking for small foreign objects with which to aid my counting. There were slim pickings, and at this point I noticed a well-dressed and evidently well-off parent smoking a pipe on the boundary. After a brief explanation of my predicament, he cheerfully parted company with six of his swan fester matches. I think you may be able to see where this is going. Sometime later, while stood at the bowler's end, daydreaming, I started rolling the matches in my fingers behind the back. <laughs> I started rolling the matches in my fingers behind my back. The rotating heads ignited violently, and by some quirk of chemistry, fused themselves, presumably through the melting of my skin... <laughs> <laughs> to three of my fingers. <laughs> I momentarily lost control of my faculties and play ceased amid a flurry of profanities and flapping around while I tried to regain control of the situation. As the flames subsided, I realised that I had been effing and jeffing quite audibly and thirteen small faces, agape, confirmed my worst fears. 
Within an hour of the close of play, I was in the headmaster's office being bollocked. <laughs> My place in the annals of under-12's folklore was established and quite a few parents never spoke to me again. <laughs> That's excellent. That is absolutely fantastic. Um, yes, we've forgotten, of course. Any, any other stories you may have about times that you've inadvertently set fire to yourself whilst umpiring an under-12's game, uh, or indeed at a higher level. Perhaps, um, perhaps you've accidentally gone out to umpire in a test match, having been sitting in petrol for the entire tea <laughs> interval. Um, uh, other topics, of course, for you to send... Uh, Letters to our mailbag, uh, umpiring disasters or stories, 12th man requests, best and worst games that you've played in, uh, cricketers at petrol stations, painful injuries. Any other categories today, Mark, that suddenly strike you? No, I think you've covered it all there, Miles. All right, well, I've, I've done my best. Hi, it's David Gower here. Uh, yes, it's me. Look, it's, it's slightly embarrassing, but look, Mark and Miles, they've, they've forgotten the email address again, so look... If you've got any cricketing tales, stories, whatever it might be you want to send to them, please email them at middleplease at hotmail.com. Um, and if that's too much, well, try Twitter or Instagram. Right then, um, shall we move into our, our guest? Yes. Okay, uh, well, uh, let me give you some clues as to who our guest is, Mark. Like you, uh, he's won a World Cup. Like you... He's got a surname that is a reference to uh, an area containing trees. Uh, in fact, it's the same area containing trees as your name refers to. Uh, he's not as vague as you are. He's actually been kind enough to give us the colour of the uh, the tree area. And it's the usual colour for trees. What what colour are leaves, usually? Oh, I've got this. I know you can do this. You look really puzzled. No, no, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. Oh, sorry. Either coniferous ones all year round or other trees during spring and summer. Right. Um, you've, got, uh, you've got as much time as you need. Gil Reenwood. <laughs> it is indeed Jill Reenwood. <laughs> I'd just like to take a moment to thank our founding sponsors, Cricketers Gin. Cricketers Gin is the perfect podcast partner as this corker of a gin began its innings at the local village cricket club in Pinkney's Green, Berkshire. Over a G&T, the founders decided that this quintessential British game, along with the wild botanicals growing in abundance, deserved a bespoke gin of its own. Cricketers features milk thistle, wild marjoram and blackberries, amongst other botanicals, delivering a smooth juniper-forward gin. If pink is your preference, they also have a delicious raspberry-distilled pink gin. Please take a look at their website, cricketersgin.com, where you'll find a range of gin hampers too. Apply the code CRICKET and you'll receive a discount off your purchases. Cricketers, a small batch gin and a family-owned business. William Hill's safer gambling tools help you stay in control. You can set deposit limits, session reminders and take timeouts whenever you need them. 18 plus, please gamble responsibly. William Hill, it's who you play with. Uh, just for context, I should say that this interview with Will Greenwood was recorded in August, which is why it contains references to things like watching The Hundred last night. Uh, please relax, he's not gone mad. Uh, well, first of all, uh, welcome to the podcast, uh, Will. How, how are you getting on? Great, thanks. Actually, I was uh, just checking what was going on in The Hundred. I've been trying to watch a little bit of that when I can. I'm intrigued. I haven't quite worked out what's going on at the start. Five ball overs. Can someone ball two five ball overs on the truck? Can you get 10 gone and power? Um, so I'm working it out, but in the meantime, I'm thinking you just got to whack it and have more runs than the opponent come the end. Pretty much got it. That was the, the best synopsis I think you'd ever have, have, wasn't it? That was it. You got it in one. Big fans, baseball, music, entertainment, 
Nice evening out. Helps if it doesn't rain. Looks nice at Trent Bridge tonight. What a great initiative. I bet there's a load of people who will never work, though. Yeah, I think well, it's for it's for a new generation, isn't it? That's what that's it's aimed at trying to get people that's you know the complicated. I mean, I spoke to the my Durham physio, who is someone that was brought up actually in a rugby background, but doesn't know didn't know much about cricket. And he said, look, it took him a few years, but if he turned on the television and he saw two twenty four slash two, he wouldn't know what was going on. Whereas this is sort of it's a simplified way. There's a hundred balls in the top right, the score in the top left. I suppose it's just trying to catch that new audience, isn't it? For people with attention span of 14 seconds, which is what most people have nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if it's harder to get your head around if you're coming from already having like a cricket knowledge. You're looking at it going, hang on, this is the basis. So this would be the equivalent of that. And it's, oh, it's like that, but it's slightly different. If you're coming to it completely fresh, if it's easier to understand, I think if you're, you, you, whereas if you're coming at it from, you already, you know, know your cricket. Maybe that makes it sort of harder. I know it's not for us. The danger, I mean, I don't know. I'm guessing, I'm guessing the danger is it would be a little bit like if sevens took off and all the money was in sevens. Would the 15s come under threat because all the kids want to earn more money, play like IPL? Does it move away? Does it threaten classical test match opening batting of which we've then struggled this summer and might struggle struggle in the uh, the ashes because all the does in the IPL and all the does in the short form game in the cricket. So I suppose there's a battle for ownership in terms of what style the kids get attracted to, right? Do we want our test, uh, test squad member Johnny Bairstow playing? Do we want the 100 to be the last thing that he's playing? Tricky question for you to answer. Depends where he's batting. If he's keeping and batting seven, it's probably not a bad thing. It's not the end of the world. If he's not keeping an opening, it's a disaster. But weirdly enough, he's he's one of the lads I know quite well. He likes his rugby. So so who who talks better? Do you talk better cricket or does he talk better rugby? No, he knows his rugby. Properly knows his rugby. But so I'd say it's always difficult to make you. So I'd say our knowledge of those respective sports are quite good. But I'd tell you what was one of the strangest bits of lockdown. Must have been really early. You know that game, Guess Who? Yeah. yeah. Where you go, has he got glasses? Is she wearing earrings? And you slowly cut things down. So we both bought the same version and had a week in the evenings of drinking a bottle of wine and playing Guess Who? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so my little lad was playing Guess Who with a slightly inebriated dad against Johnny Burstow and his sister. Oh, that's amazing. For a week. I mean, you just sort of think... What was the strangest thing I did in lockdown? Drank rosé and played Guess Who with Johnny Burstow. <laughs> oh, the other one that's really interesting, cricket, sort of cricket connection, I assume it's a cricket podcast, he's one of the scariest men I ever worked in and around, but he's the most lovely human being on the planet. It's Terry Crawley, she's Zach's dad. So I worked on the Futures Exchange before rugby turned professional with a funny coloured jacket. Have you seen trading places where they were... With the champagne, the trading port bellies and orange juice. Frozen orange juice. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So that's what I did, but interest rates. So we traded interest rates and Terry Crawley, Zach's dad, traded the BTP, which is the Italian government bond. My God, he was sharp. And what he's a scratch golfer. So I regularly have to cough up some cash to him. But played with Zach a couple of times. Now, he doesn't hit driver either. But what he can do is he can hit three wood... 290, 300. It is like, 
I promise you. It's like an extra set. But here's the really interesting thing. He's an opening bat, right? Yeah. He can't putt. He, you don't give him, if you ever play against him, don't give him a thing. <laughs> smash it 300 off the tee. He'll put a wedge into six feet from 160 on a par five. He'll have an eagle putt and he'll take six. Is, is, who's bigger? Is, who's bigger? He's you got long levers. He's a big lad, Zach. Uh, he is. We're about to say, I think, uh, I think he's 6'4", is he? He should have. He should have been a fast bowler, shouldn't he? Yeah, I'm six five. Really? So, were think, you a fast bowler, Will? I was. Yeah, I played my my cricketing my Lancashire junior team was John Crawley and Ronnie Irani. Oh, they're not uh, not the worst. So they were. So I didn't really get a bat or a bowl because Creepy would score two hundred, and Ronnie would take seven wickets, and I would come on first change. There was another quick lad from Berry Grammar. So I was sort of first change and batted six. And then I ch- it's like changed counties to get more of a game because my school was Sedba. Oh, lovely. And that move, that move, it used to be in Yorkshire, even though I'm a Lancastrian, started playing for Lancashire. Uh, and it moved, boundary line changed. It's right on the boundary line by Kendall, shifted into Cumbria, Sedba. So I played Cumbrian schools cricket. I was captain of Cumbria schools cricket till under 19. A fast bowling coach. Bloody hell. Kenny Benjamin. So if you're, if you're faffing about in the nets, he'd come in off a yard. And if you've got a nose this big, right? <laughs> it would whistle past. You, you know, just bottom handing it. By the way, we always thought you can't have a bottom hand. It's all about bottom hand now. We were pioneers by Semper Cricket Team. We were all bottom hand. And uh, I tell you, my, the favourite bit of like, so the final cricket connection, I'm trying to get some sort of cricket, tenuous cricketing connection is Lancashire play there now and again. And they always post a beautiful photo and it's Winder in the background, the fell called Winder. Pavilions on the left. They always have the, the they take it from pole house end, Winder, and the, the house just at the far end of the stadium, of the stadium, the ground, is Evans House, which is my boarding house. And I was second floor, left-hand side, just by the kink. So every time, it's always interesting when Lancashire post shots. And I think Jimmy Anderson might have played there recently or whatever. But they posted shots. It's one of the most beautiful grounds ever. And my, so that's where I got caught vomiting out of my window, being violently sick. <laughs> uh, and got suspended all those years ago. But my, my claim to fame, which has obviously been done now, was I was the first... So, you had to, to get it into Evans House Garden, it had to carry the ropes up the slope, over the bins, over the benches, over the wall, into Evans House Garden. So the, thing, the, the challenge always was Evans House Garden. And I put Peter Kipax, used to play for the MCC, Leggy. What, the bat, the, the bat maker? Yeah, I think it'd be bold Leggies for the MCC. It was either him or his son. So anyway, I put him in the, into Evans House Garden and that's, that, that's, it never got any better. So what, what number would you bat then for Lancashire schools? If you've got your first change? I think so. I mean, that was up to under 13, then under 15, then switched to Cumbria. Um, took nine for against Ampleforth. My mate Ali Metcalf took wicket one, and then I got nine for... I've never got 100, 81 against Berry Grammar. Again, Berry Grammar. Always used to... I'll tell you how you get me out, Mark. You get me out dead quick. My head led too much because I wanted to get on the front foot, so I'd lead with the head, a bit like Hayden did against Hoggard. I'd always get Hayden because he'd just lean a bit. So I'd always just, I'd start with my head on middle and leg and I'd just, I'd want to get forward. So I'd just, occasionally just lean too far, get my head middle and off, off, lean over. So if you bowled 
middle and leg, leg on. I'd sort of have to play across it. I'd get bowled off my pads, always bowled off my pads. And I got it when I was about 25, 26, when I was playing a village game of cricket. My dad was like, no, keep your head still, keep your head still. <laughs> play it to mid on and the bat will turn in the hand as it makes contact. Keep the bat square and then the turn comes. And I got it at 25, 26, but it was too late. I'd gone to Durham. They were all rock stars up at Durham. Amazing cricketers. I'd played rugby for the first two terms. I was warned by my economics professor. If I didn't do any work, I'd be booted out. So I sort of had to do some work. Did some work. Didn't go to cricket. Never went back. And I live out of that door. I reckon it is a pitching wedge to Burnham Cricket Club. Uh, nice. I love, I love, I take the lads, to, my youngest to Nets as often as he can and wants to go. And I love in the, my missus gets irritated. Well, I said, what are they shouting for now? I said, they're appealing, my love. They're not shouting. <laughs> I love sitting in the garden having a beer. And so occasionally just wander over and have a beer in the clubhouse and just sit and watch cricket and I just lose hours. Well, you mentioned there, right, about yeah, your dad telling you to put me on. My dad still does that to me now. I played for England and I get out. He never mentions my bowling. My bat, that was a terrible shot. My granddad rings us up. Keep the ball on the bottom. You can never get caught. Thanks, granddad. No ball. <laughs> I still get the same crack now. I, I once had a thing. I was, doing a, I was doing a comedy gig in Leicester and I got really cross with a member of the audience and, and I was sort of ranting at them and my own father went, Miles, that is enough from the, ba- <laughs> from the back of the room. <laughs> yeah, my parents are both school teachers. My dad captained England rugby, coached England. So... I sort of grew up in his shadow, but he didn't push me until I... He said, I'm not going to push you until you fancy it. And if you fancy it, you play by my rules. So I left it, I left it, I left it. And about 16, 17, I went, I need your help a bit here. He's like, right, okay, step into the office. Proper old school, brutal, fitness, 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 fitness. Be the best at things that require no talent, fitness. Jeez, I could run. Couldn't tackle or pass, but I could run. It must have been such an extraordinary time, rugby in the night. The, the change from amateur to professional, in just in terms of what a cultural difference that makes to a sport. For us, I, I went to school in the East Midlands in the 90s. So for, we, there was a time when we had, probably when you were at Leicester Tigers, we basically had the Leicester Tigers coaching staff at my school. And I would, I would be like fourth of... You Oakham. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So we had someone like Andy Wilson, uh, Wilsoncraft, wasn't it? Inspector Poirot. All I needed was all I needed was East Midlands coaching. Right. Staff. You could tell from you could tell from the mud on my boots, couldn't you, Will? Yeah. So was there a guy, Doster Smith? Was he called something like that? Doster. Yeah, his, his lad was a good player. Doster was my first pro coach. We, I remember, due to presumably administ- an administrative error, he obviously had to be at our school on a Thursday, but the first had a game, and for one Thursday afternoon, he took the fourth fifteen. And that was absolutely, this I'm now, this must be nearly 25 years ago, the most absolutely brutal afternoon. And this is obviously a man that's used to getting people like you to beat the shit out of other people like you. People like me, that were people that preferred theatre, if we're honest, suddenly sort of jogging out there. And it was fucking, you would sprint from one set of posts to the other, then do 20 sit-ups. And then and you'd think, well, that, that must be the thing then. Then you go, we'll do that again. And we did it. We must have done it for about an hour. Dossa was in the 99th percentile of nutters. <laughs> I've, I've never, I've never been so tired. Maybe apart from like once you're like young children. Uh, but otherwise, I can't remember being just so, just gasping for it. It was absolutely brutal. But it made me what I am today, which is a man that does very little exercise. 
So, uh, <laughs> what are you using? Peloton, what bike, or an app? Got one of the one of the, one of these. Uh, train one of these a day. Trainer, bloke, bloke, bloke I met at the cricket club. Seems reliable. He comes around and um, is your is your session cricket related? Like the do, do you stand there like working on your dustra? Is that like part of the, the PT <laughs> session? No, no, Breaking we just. Risk. He talks about cricket to distract me while I'm going, Duncan, I can't. I can't do this, actually, Duncan. I don't think I've got the hips for this. I don't think humans are meant to do squats, Duncan. It seems completely unnatural. Do you do the whole PT in your, in your cricket gear, like head to toe on the pads? Like, yeah, yeah. I wear more kit than you wore coming out to run for, <laughs> attempt to run for two in the World Cup final, Mark. I love you. Go on SCS Who Dares Win with Duncan and Miles. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Rupert? <laughs> yes, exactly. We've got good, good cop and not a cop. Because you, what was that show that you did, Will, when you were basically improving people's lives by oh. by being a harsh disciplinarian? Yeah, uh, ir- ir- irrespective of me, it was a, it was a brilliant show. It sounds it. School of Hard Knocks. So we would go to job centres and literally just stand outside the job centre and say, "Who wants a job?" And we'd sort of got a few people looking. That's a bit weird. A few people not wanted to be on camera. A few people sort of come over and shout and say, "Well." If you want a job, we're gonna we're running a good course. It's not a it's reality TV and you gotta do twelve weeks. You gotta do Monday to Wednesday for twelve weeks and we'll train you and we'll coach you, but we'll talk to you about CVs, job applications, we'll help you out where you're living at the moment, we'll try and find you some support. If the homeless will find you a shelter, find you a bed, you know, really go out and, and, and try and transform the the deal is you've got to play a game though at the end of it. And if you play the game at the end of it, the following day we have a jobs fair. And I, me and Scott get our little black book out and then we invite 30 employers to the local town hall. So we've changed a huge amount of lives and the, and the charity continues. It was, it was the same about like my school when I think about it. Like actually, you know, to get a good, decent cricket bat and pads and stuff you're talking like 400 quid or something at the time if you've got a bat and pads and all the, all the stuff people just couldn't afford it but actually if if you sat down everybody could play cricket tennis they could hit the ball like actually the sport and ability of people was actually there but sometimes people just couldn't afford the kit and I think especially in, in Asherton I mean the amount of, the cricket teams that would roll out it would be like me and a couple other uh, my friends group and then lads that were just like filling with tracky bottoms that moved well in the field and could stop yeah. the ball. That's why, why they played. So. Mark, Mark, at your school, was there cricket at your school? Or did you learn all your cricket through Ashington Cricket Club? No, I went to the cricket club. So obviously Harmy was the, the man there that everybody idolised. We had a coach there, Stevie Williams, who everybody sort of knew and went to, to be coached by. I went up there, like, because it was 50 yards up the road. I went there when I was like eight or, or nine or something. But the the area was sort of blanketed in, in football, rugby, and then cricket was sort of third um, in, in Ashton. So, um, How close were you to places like Tyndale and Atlam? Uh, close. We played tight. I played for cricket for Tyndale actually for a year. Um, I know Bladen and Tyndale have big rugby areas. And yeah, when I was at college, so they were the Wednesday games as the uni matches. And Saturday games would get duffed up by the Geordies. Mm, the the tight the tight deal even now when sometimes we play cricket up there the lads are like the farmer lads are massive. Oh yeah, can't believe that yeah, the, everybody they've got to be rugby lads, got to be rugby lads straight away. But oh, actually Durham, play cricket really well. Lads from Radley in red trousers, uh, we'd rock up at Ashland, uh, <laughs> and it was like here we go, here we go lads, here we go. Good, good luck in the performance. Good luck, enjoy yourselves up there because you get, you get your absolute head battered in. 
<laughs> um, we were talking about the 100 at the beginning of this conversation, and I just in, off the back of what talking about school sport, I do think at the moment there's this, this drive then to get young people into cricket, for instance. So do things like, like all-stars. I've been doing some activated stuff. or But in the 100 is the idea to get people in. But isn't that – that is in a way that's filling – a void that's been there now for 30 years hasn't there which which is people aren't playing cricket at at school i mean most people it's all right if you're like someone like me but people aren't having that opportunity this again isn't a plug on purpose i'm running a festival of sport in norfolk at the holcomb estate we've got mark garraway as our cricket coach uh ryan sidebottom's coming down we've got um yeah, Tyndall and Rachel Burford do. We've got 21 sports. And what we're just trying to do, mums and dads, there's strap lines, no one's left on the bench. And it's glamping, camping, bit of music, and then eight hours of sport on the Saturday, eight hours of sport on the Sunday. And all the kids in different coloured T-shirts according to age and size. And they just move around. And they're not allowed, if they're cricketers, they're not allowed to just go and play cricket with Mark Garraway around sidebottom. If they like rugby, they're not allowed to come and just play rugby with us. You do 45 minutes with each sport. You do eight sports a day. Uh, and so it's, to go back to your question, Miles, I think it's it's the same thing. We're, we're, it's all, the rugby's always accused post-winning the World Cup in 03. They never took any advantage of it. There was no uplift in people playing. The reality is, I'm trying to, I, I am an absolute sports nut and I live 50 yards from a cricket ground. But my lad is on his phone playing Fortnite and, he, he, want, he comes home from school. He's been to a football camp today. I said, come on, let's go for a net. It's like, no, no. And, and so, and I'm, I'm sort of things we're in Waitrose. I'm, I've got facilities and I'm, I can afford to do it. So, you know, and my lads won't play. It's, it's just, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So if, yeah. you, if you're a single mum or a single parent, you live in Ireland, you've got, you got no chance of getting to a sports club. Life goes on it just quick. And, and I think there's so many things grabbing our attention now. That's why I think it's so important for it to be a thing that happens at at school. It's great if things can be community driven, but at school, if you're not doing that, you have that thing. You know, you have these big things come up. So you you win the World Cup, Marks won the World Cup, 2012 Olympics. You know, not many years after the 2012 Olympics, Sebastian Coe sitting there in front of a select committee, going, "Yeah, sorry, there wasn't much of a legacy, was there?" In the end, and I think that's all to down with things like these things not being done in school. If these things were in school, where it wasn't down on someone to say, "Look, I've got to." I've got to take my child to this. It's great if people do and all those sort of community clubs, but also if it was definitely happening anyway, I just think all sports would, would benefit. And I think that the, the children would as well. Yeah, no, agreed. In, in my school, though, in my school, you were pushed more towards the out-of-school out clubs. I'm, I'm not sure that at my school, the, the, the money or the, the for people to be able to do things was, was, that, was there that much. I felt like, if you were going to go, you'd go to the local rugby club, you'd go to the local cricket club. And school was very much sort of, you know, it, it would push you towards that way. I don't know if it's changed now. Obviously, it was a long time since I was at school. But, I mean, the opportunity there, and they, were, they would always try and introduce you. And I, I actually think that's better that you, you do more sports because then actually the sport that you go to, you've got more skills and more, you know, more about you um, to, to succeed in that one with more athletic ability. So I actually think... What we'll see in there is fantastic. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of the local, local cricket club, local sports club being at the heart. I think we've got to do everything we can to make sure those clubs thrive and are at the heart of communities. Uh, we've got a new director of rugby and a new uh, commercial guy at our, at our rugby club. We have 
700 kids on a Sunday morning, made a nice wow. catchment area. Got an LGBT team, we've got an inclusive team. We've got a, we've started a, a women's team, we're called Maidens, therefore it Maidenheads, it's, they're the Iron Maidens. Um, <laughs> you know, we've got three teams. And one of our big challenges I set to the guys is in the old rugby clubs, right, you'd write up on a Saturday after the game, you'd write the results up in chalk and the chalk would go down to like a 7th 15. Slowly but surely over the years, it's like the chalk has just moved up and there's been less and less chalk. So the strap line I've sort of used for our lads is let's move the chalk down the board. And how do we move the chalk down the board? We need more people to come to train. We should welcome more people. We need to make it accessible. We need to make sure the time is right. We need to make sure it finishes on time. We need to feed people. You know, you need to there needs to be a reason for people to come on a Saturday. Kids want to go, can we put bands on? What are we doing to, to do that? You know, coffees on a Sunday morning so the mums and dads stick around at the club whilst they don't just drop the kids off like it's a crash. So I think it's the responsibility. The thing is, it takes a lot of time. Totally agree. It takes a lot of time. And the people who give their time up, you know, to be an under 13s, under 12s manager, you get nothing. You get no, but you, of course you get thanked by the group at the end, but it's a thankless task for what? And it, you, you're relying on parents and we've got to try and make it as attractive as possible to keep the mums and dads included because the mums and dads aren't interested then the kids have got chuffle chance. Yeah. I think that's where say, where I am, our cricket club, which is growing and growing and put more and more teams out. And I think things like All-Stars are fantastic and they get a lot of people involved. But it is that thing of wanting the parents, you know, you have everything you've given up an hour on a Saturday morning and the parents are having a nice time at the edges and you're sort of picking up the stuff at the end and they come up and go, oh, it's nice to see how athletic the coaches are and stuff. You think, I've just given up an hour, actually, while you've been sat there talking about house prices. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, you could put a tracksuit on next week also. Do, do you not think? Yeah. Oh yeah, one of the things I don't coach, I don't coach the underdogs. Rock on, I'm going to leave him like my dad. If he wants help, I'll help him because there's people who give so much time and made it. And I promise you, and sometimes I, and they, they may or may not listen to it. Sometimes I bite my tongue and go, "What are they coaching?" But I bite my tongue and I have my coffee and I smile and I support because every Sunday morning for a ten o'clock start, they're out on that pitch. And they're setting the cones up and they're getting it ready and they're planning and they're so serious and they're so keen. I'm like, they need knighthoods, not me chipping up <laughs> saying what you're doing. Unless I've got the unless I stick a tracks on and join in, I have no right to do anything other than support these people because they're magic. We've been a bit serious at times on this, which isn't normally the way, but I don't think that's it's because of it's because no, Mark's be such a serious person. Have you got your your uh, questions, Mark? I have. So it's uh, 90 seconds which is never 90 seconds, but Miles says it's 90 seconds. Um, and it is the super rubber. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. You say the first thing that comes to your mind. Yeah. So, Will Greenwood, let's go. Make up your first cricket bat. Uh, probably, I think, Gray Nichols. Lovely. Most random celebrity in your phone. Right, I mean, what? I don't know what random means. Uh, what's what's the definition of random celebrity? Uh, someone that, for example, someone that you play guess who with in lockdown. Oh, uh, like so he's he's ooh, he doesn't even get near to the top of my list, but I'd say best. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite sandwich filling? Ham and cheese. Your club needs you. Would you rather score or umpire? I was going to say score a try. I was thinking, of course, I want to score a try, but you mean score? Oh, umpire all day long. Brilliant. Name a song that's been stuck in your head recently. 
Uh, I, I led the opening ceremony for the World Cup and led 80,000 people to Sweet Caroline. And my wife is called Caroline. Everyone thought it was so nice. I was singing to my wife. <laughs> Beautiful. Mike Gatton is coming for dinner. What do you cook to impress him? A lot. What a scene, that. We're talking about him in the week, obvious things you say in commentary. So, Mike, where exactly did the ball hit you? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Knocky nine doors, knock, knock, ginger, or knock and run? Uh, are you speaking Greek? I'm to presume you're talking <laughs> tip and run. No, no. Tip and run. Yeah. And finally, you come to the, uh, to the wicket. What guard are you asking the umpire? Two. He's gone for two. Oh, oh Miles, he's gone for two. Outrageous. He hasn't said Outrageous. Please, so off brand. That was 90 seconds on the dot again, wasn't it? Uh, it was actually one minute and 51 seconds, but I'm not going to interrupt two World Cup winners. The random celebrity, because I don't want to call someone random. I suppose it would be unexpected, as in people that we wouldn't wouldn't put together with you, for mm. instance. Oh, Jimmy. yeah. Oh, like okay. if it was AC Grayling or something. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, good question. I'll stick with Bester, though. I don't want to reveal my sources. <laughs> <laughs> I was happy with that. I mean, the Mike Gatton thing's been... A running thing, isn't it? Everybody wants to cook him a lot of food. I mean, his nickname in the old days is probably very mean, but I've actually met him many times, and he's a hero. But he's also remembered because of Shane Warne's first ball in Test cricket. The ball of the century. How that's hit the top of Ofstom, we still have no idea. I like Shane Warne, but he's no he's no Matt Parkinson, I think we can agree. <laughs> he's, bowled, he's bowled eight balls that good this summer. He's absolutely out, mate, on in incredible form. He's a very nice man, isn't he, Gat? Yeah. Old school, that whole era, uh, you know, they, they made the World Cup final in 91, was it, when Pakistan, Imran, 91 too, the Lion yeah. of Lahore. Knowledge, knowledge. Yeah, well, I, that whole era, I grew up in the, I mean, the Lancashire, we had day trips to Lords five times a summer. Hawkinson, mm. Warren Haig, Ian Austin. Fair brother. Oh, fuck, yeah, Fair brother Fowler, Fair brother was a man, but the man just tapping it around. Uh, Watkinson would come in late Warren Hegg behind the stumps uh, was him I mean bloody hell yeah yeah just we had such a good one day too my uncle John Savage captain Leicestershire to the county title in 78 I think Uncle Savage did that and wow. he was around Old Trafford for years as coach and selector so we've yeah we've got a lot of connections Lo- loved loved my one day stuff in the late 80s early 90s loved it because my county would always win or if not they're always in the final and Miles of course lastly he had a career Nichols back the, the Mike Atherton he had the Mike Atherton maybe power spot yeah uh, I was before I'm older than Mike so he probably wouldn't have the Mike Atherton power spot they wouldn't have invented it well Miles' favourite player is Mike Atherton is it he is absolutely Cricketing, cricketing hero, yeah. He would have had the scoop, wouldn't he, Athers? I'm sure. Yeah, good writer. Like his writing. Amazing writer. Absolutely brilliant. I mean, I, I, I won't hear a word against him, as Mark knows. <laughs> Another inspiration is what I do, writing for The Telegraph. You've been writing for 16 years now. Some of the things I often say was, I, I don't say it all the time, but I would go, would Athers stick his name to this? And if I read it and go, lazy. Go back again. Wow. Yeah, you got you got to have sort of people who you aspire. There used to be an old journal called, uh, he was a twitcher actually, but he, was, he used to commentary pieces. Simon Barnes. Simon Barnes. Oh, what a writer. Yeah. Just sort of colour pieces for the Times. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. Just brought sport. Went to different places. So I often go back to some of his old articles. Don't steal his words, obviously, but just 
got to look at things. Stop looking at things through the same lens, people. What's the angle? Where can you game? How can how can you make game of rugby interesting for sixteen years? You got to keep looking, keep finding. I, I love I love that bit though. Would Athas would Athas be proud of this piece? I love that. What would Athas do? But I think also it's a something. It's obviously something that you carry on from like your your playing career, just that absolute, that striving uh, for perfection, I suppose. And you can see it now. You're just talking about, you know, writing 800 words on a Monday or what, what, whatever it is. But that, you know, the fact that you agonise over it and you want, you know, it, you don't feel like you've written it, I guess, unless you really sweated over it. If it came yeah. out, if you sat down and it was first draft, you'd be really worried. Thanks for joining us, Will. Very good of you. Cheers, guys. Legend. Thanks, man. Well, that was Will Greenwood. Thank you very much indeed uh, to Will for coming on uh, the show. How nice to have uh, a, a World Cup winner from another discipline as well, just to just to make me feel utterly inadequate uh, as a person. Um, uh, we will uh, speak to you in... Um, I don't know how often these go. I don't know anything. At some point, you'll hear from us again, I hope. <laughs> Bye-bye. And goodbye from me, Mark Wood. See you next time. Right, so Mark is he's undressing. Why don't you shut the screen off, Mark? Oh, God. No, I'll describe what's happening. God, he's surprisingly ripped, actually. I, you always think cricket's a bit of a sort of, you know, not quite a sport, but goodness me. Mark is undressing while still on a Zoom call. I don't know if this... It must feel bloody great to put on an England training top with your name and number on the back. Oh, he's taking it off again. I don't know what's going on and why this is happening. <laughs> I'm not going to turn the train into me playing top, am I? Oh, that is your playing top. I mean, that, was, that was a real treat for us. I'll, I'll keep that one for you. Will you? Yes. All right. Can you watch it first? Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I know it was on briefly, but it's very hot there. Uh, Mark, no, that's very kind of you. Yeah. Say hi, hey, Harry. Hi-ya. How's it going, Harry? He says not out. He said he thought if they're going down like. Uh, Mark has changed into his training gear while still on a Zoom call, which is professional but demented. How are you, Sarah? Sarah, how are you? They're saying, Sarah, if you were going to bat in a game, what guard would you take? <laughs> If you're going to bat in a game, what guard would you take? Yeah. Like, what, what would you ask for when you went in the crease? You box. Well, you went, well, <laughs> 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 No. You go to the crease to bat for England. You've got all your kit on, including your box, your helmet, whatever. You come to the crease, you lay your bat in front of the, the stubs, and you say, huh? Oh, man, you put your guard, man, with a bat. Mom, I haven't got a clue what you're trying to You've played cricket, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> you see it middle, please, umpire, of course. Uh, this is what I have to deal with all the time. This is what's known in, in the world of media as not having cut through, basically. <laughs> Let's try that again. You get to the crease, Sarah, and you've got your back. What do you say? Middle, please, umpire. Yay! Yay! Very, very good. Right, I'm off. Sports Social Podcast Network.